change. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. You know, take those few steps, take one step at a time and just know, give yourself grace, you know, know that you may not, um, you know, you don't have to be perfect. It's not perfect. It's a lifestyle that you want to adopt for the long term. Do you believe that God wants you healthy? Then join me, Cersei Blue and Gigi Carter on the Healthy For My Purpose podcast where we help you realize the relationship between your health and your purpose. We share how eating like Daniel can revolutionize your life. Through discussions and interviews, we challenge you to discover the powerful connection between plant-based nutrition, your body, and your faith. It's time. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Healthy For My Purpose. Um, I hope everyone is having a great summer. Um, Gigi and I are working on some, bringing you some awesome guests um, that are going to be coming to you at the end of the summer and beginning of the fall. So we are excited about that. Wanted to just remind you guys to, if you're not following us on IG, please go ahead and do that. It's Daniel Fasta Healthy Living. Um, you can go ahead and, um, sub, you know, like us there. You could also subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and leave a review if this is blessing you in any way. Um, we would love to have you give us a review on iTunes and that also helps us to further our reach. Um, we also have a private Facebook group um, on Facebook called Daniel Fast to Healthy Living and we would love to have you guys um, over on that side as well. Well, I'm actually so excited about this guest that we have for today's episode. We're going to be talking to Dr. Jen Davis. She is a lifestyle physician and she is passionate about helping people improve their health um, through lifestyle medicine practices. And you're going to love this interview because she is so down to earth. She is so practical she is a boss in the kitchen, and if you um, check out her IG page, which is Healthy Living with Dr. Jen, you will get to see her whipping up a storm on those on that platform. Um, but she also just kind of gives you a really good foundation on what you need to do to really um, live healthy um, and really do it holistically. Um, and that's what we love about her. We loved about this conversation is that she really pulls from um, several pillars of health to really ground you to figure out, listen, where do I stand? Um, and how can I improve? So without further ado, let me introduce you to the wonderful Dr. Jen Davis. All right. Thank you, Dr. Davis, for joining us. We are absolutely excited to have you on our podcast. Um, so we're going to just jump right in because we really want to know how you got into lifestyle medicine and what's the story behind your passion for plant-based nutrition? So I um, became interested in lifestyle medicine. So what happened is about 12 years ago, I Truthfully, actually, in the beginning, I was always worried about the environment, and I learned that being eating, consuming less meat and 
dairy and any animal products basically was better for the environment. But I always wondered, I'm like, what do vegans eat? Like, how do they survive? How do they get their protein? But um, so then about 12 years ago, there was uh, Forks Over Knives, the movie came out and they had this thing, take the 28 day challenge. And I was like, okay, so we did it. So the whole family did it. And at the end, I felt great. Um, around that time, I also started doing more um, ultra distance uh, athletic things. And I found that I was recovering so much faster from my training. And I was like, wow, I feel great. And then at the end, I saw the movie and I was like, I haven't learned anything, you know, in medical school, unfortunately, you don't do a lot with nutrition. So when I saw the movie and I saw all of the stories of the people that were changing their lives by changing their diets, I was like, there's more to it than just saving the environment. So then I could, you know, continue to educate myself. I've got the plant-based nutrition certificate at Cornell where I learned so much more. And I, I love to read. So I was reading a lot of books about it, reading the China study, all kinds of things, which all demonstrated the power of plants. And so then I um, pursued lifestyle medicine um, certification where I learned even more about lifestyle in general. So plant-based nutrition, number one, but also just how a healthy lifestyle can be life-changing. And ever since I learned that, I, I just felt like I wanted to do more with it. And then now, more recently, I've had more friends that have, you know, had heart disease, have had to have stents. And I just felt like, you know, still the mainstream medicine, it hasn't come to mainstream medicine. And I feel like I could do so much more. So I really became um, passionate, you know, about really making everybody understand that they can really change their lives um, by changing their diet and their lifestyle. So... Yeah, you mentioned, you. I'm sorry, were you, did you have something else to say? Because I was going to ask another question. <laughs> yeah, you can go up. Yeah, sorry. Okay, yeah, no worries. So I, um, yeah, so you mentioned um, medical school. So that's a really interesting topic because a lot of times, and we hear this all the time with people, you know, in our program, we've got like, I think we've got over 10,000 people in our Facebook group and um, others like on our Facebook page and everything. But a lot of times people will say, well, my doctor told me to eat this or eat that or didn't say anything about food. You know, like, let's say I have a, actually have a friend who um, had a cancer diagnosis, a breast cancer diagnosis. And her doctor basically said, just eat whatever you want, you know, like cake or pizza, whatever you want to eat. Like it was, it just didn't matter. And um and, and so people rely on their physicians to give them like nutrition advice. Um, can you shed a little more light on, and maybe just through your experience in medical school, what is or isn't taught as it relates to like nutrition and health? So my experience in medical school, I have to say more schools are introducing more detailed nutrition, but what I learned in medical school is mostly biochemistry, you know, the, the breakdown, you know, protein, fat, glucose, you know, carbohydrates, this is what you need to, you know, what patients need to consume. And even when you calculate, say, when you're doing um, an ICU doctor, so when I was cal calculating nutrition for patients, you break it down by that, not really paying attention to the quality of what those things are, the nutrients, the micronutrients, the antioxidants, none of that came into play. So really it was, as long as you're getting protein and the protein source was always meat, you know, you learn that meat and dairy for calcium and, you know, just those traditional things. Um, so unfortunately if that, that's not, um, it's not mainstream yet, you know, that's what you learn. Yeah. So I even have a story when I was, um, you know, in the ICU, just a few years before I became plant-based, we had a patient that was recovering from, um, 
you know, a serious illness. And we, they were, the family was vegan. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is awful. She has to have, you know, protein for meat, you know? And I think back of like, oh my goodness, you know, what I was telling them, but that's what, you know, we learned, you know, that protein mm -hmm. only came from certain sources, whereas everything has protein in it. You know, we didn't learn that. So. Yeah. I mean, it, it seems like there's like a, a it, it could be, I mean, it seems like an easy fix, like just because of what, you know, we've learned post, you know, formal education around the role of, you know, um, like phytochemicals and antioxidants and fiber and, um, and then just the substances that are in meats, you know, like TMAO and, you know, new 5GC and heme iron and those sorts of things. And um, it's just, it, it, it just, I think it's, it's both, um, and this is just me getting on my soapbox, so I apologize, but um, it just seems like it would be like a very simple fix to just add that to the curriculum, because you think about like eCornell and what they've done, because I, I actually, that's what kind of inspired me to go to um, graduate school and get a master's in nutrition was that that cert certificate and I, I think it's a wonderful program um there you know that program's only like a I think it's like eight weeks or 10 right. weeks long it just seems like you know why can't we just take that and just plop it in the curriculum of medical right. schools and so much can be resolved with just something like that but I know there's more bureaucracy around it than it is. And unfortunately, it. you know, the the um, the data behind it isn't mainstream, you know, where yeah. I feel like there is there is a lot of money. Right. That goes into pharmaceuticals and mm. into the um, so the data behind that is so much stronger. It's not that it's stronger. I should say it's it's much more in the forefront. So everything that we do in medicine, I have to say I'm a skeptic. Right. So everything that I learned, I, I you know, you have to I want to see the data behind it. And unfortunately, um, that's just not what's put in front of you. You know, it's not in the textbooks. It's not. So we, as a lifestyle medicine physician and as part of American College of Lifestyle Medicine, that's part of my, my mission is to really get that out there and, and make it be more mainstream. You know, it, it should be part of the curriculum. It, it seems like it should be an easy fix, but you're coming from, you know, hundreds of years of, of this um, entrenched system where mm -hmm. this is how medicine is taught. You know, there is pharmaceuticals and there's surgery, and that's how you manage um, how you manage illness and, you know, it's, it's a process, you know, and it took a while for me. I, I mean, I know my whole, my own process took a while for me to get to the point, mm -hmm. you know, so it's, it's going to take time, but it'll happen. It's happening. It's definitely happening. Yeah. yeah. Well, I appreciate the work you're doing. That's for, that's for sure. So, yeah. Um, Dr. Davis, you, on your website, healthy living with Dr. Jen, you talk about the six pillars that kind of make up lifestyle medicine. And can you just talk about those six pillars and the, the importance to our overall health? I, I thought that was a really um, great insight there. Absolutely. So the first pillar is plant-based nutrition. So it's plant-predominant nutrition. So eating predominantly plant-based diet doesn't mean, it, it can be complete exclusion of animal products, but sometimes that people close their ears when they hit that, but it can include a small amount of animal products. The goal is mostly plant forward. Um, restorative sleep. Sleep is so important. You know, when you're deprived of sleep, that can lead to hypertension. It can lead to weight gain. It, you know, that's, so that's a, a primary pillar. Stress reduction, again, is a very important part of health. You know, you can get all the other pillars right and still have 
chronic disease because you have stress that's not managed. Um, exercise, every adult should be getting at least 30 minutes of exercise a day. The goal is 115 minutes of moderate exercise per week. Um, they call actually that the new smoking, the sedentary lifestyle, which unfortunately most, even with the pandemic, I feel like it's, it's elevated even farther from there. Um, healthy relationships, which again was, was um, highlighted in the pandemic, but isolation really is, is not good for your health and relationships are really important part of longevity and health. And then the last is eliminating risky substances. So things like smoking, alcohol, um, and other, you know, harsh substances. So those are the pillars and it can be life-changing just by adopting yeah. Yes, yes, yes. In terms of exercise, can you share a little more about like your routine? You mentioned something about doing some ultra distance stuff, maybe elaborate uh, more on that, please. Yeah, um, I am a runner. Um, so ultra distance, I love to run just because it's an easy, the reason I started running is actually because it was just easy. It just required sneakers, right? I could just go out the door wherever I was and just do it. So run, walk, um, but then I became more interested in the longer distances. So I like doing ultra races, which is anything greater than a marathon. So greater than 26 miles and above. So um, up to hundred miles. And that's, yeah, my fun. It's a good challenge. <laughs> Mental wow. as well as physical, yeah. So. Oh my goodness, wow. wow. <laughs> so so you're, so what would, so what does your typical day look like in terms of exercise? Are you just running or what does your typical day look like? Um, I do a little bit of everything. So I used to just run. I did, I have to say, I did develop, um, have hip dysplasia. So I developed arthritis. So I had a hip replacement. So I started mixing it up a little bit more since then. But um, still my passion is if I, that's my favorite thing to do every morning. So I do run probably three to five mornings a week, but then I mix it up. I try to do other things too. I, I spin, I ride the bicycle. Um, I will do other strength workouts, which is really important also for um, health is to do body weight strength. I don't lift weights, but I'll do body weight strength exercises. Um, just anything, you know, to just keep moving. And um, definitely feel better, you know, when I start the day that way, you know, you feel like you can do anything after you've uh, raised your heart rate, had a little sweat, right? <laughs> it does, it makes a big difference. Awesome. Yeah, Cersei, you want to ask the, the next question? I, oh, okay. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess yeah, we'll, we'll come back around to that one, but here's a question for you. And I'm asking for a friend because one of the things that I, that I found was in terms of women exercising, because a lot of the women that we serve in our group are women. Um, we have um, a large amount of black women as well. One of the things that I hear so often and that I personally experienced way back in the day was the hair politics. Mm. And a lot of women struggle with really getting active, getting out there and running, getting out there in the heat or whatever, you know, rain, sun or shine, and it becomes an obstacle to exercise. Can you just talk to that? Like, you know, what do you have? Like, just give some insight into that and how to, to deal with that, because it becomes an obstacle for women as crazy as it may sound to some other people. It's a real struggle, I guess, for black women. It is. Um... You know, it's a, it is it is an issue, but I feel like you feel so much better when you do it. So number one, you have to no excuses; it has to be done. And there's so many things that you can do to help preserve your hairstyle. You know, there's all these different, um, you know, sweatbands and things like that that help, like to absorb sweat and preserve the hairstyle. I personally, I like it to be easy. So <laughs> that's I feel like if um, 
if that's going to be an impedance to my exercising, I want like something that's easy and, um, and simple to manage. And it's, it's really, um, it's, it's worthwhile. It's your health. You know, it's really, you're talking about your, your, um, your life, your longevity, your, your enjoyment, you know, for the long term. And that's so for, what I for those listening and not seeing you, like, how would you describe your hair? Like, what is it like, you know, like what specifically would you recommend or that you practice in terms of your hair? Okay. Natural hair. I mean, I do. Um, yeah. so that was part of my thing, you know, in the past I did use relaxers and, um, you know, for many, many, many years, but when in my transition to plant-based and being more aware of the toxins that we're exposed to, cause that's another huge, huge mm -hmm. thing, um, for African-American women, for black, for black women, for women of color, the amount of chemicals that we're exposed to is, 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 horrendous and they have a long-term effect you know you think things went unfortunately here in the united states little testing is done on personal care products really horrendous things have to happen before there's a change and even if there is something that happens it is hard to make a difference so just because it's on the shelf in your local store does not mean it's safe and um if you are using it on a daily basis and we use multiple multiple products on a daily basis you have to consider this having a long-term effect on your health um, what you put on your skin is in your bloodstream. So you have to consider that everything that they use can be in your bloodstream in a short period of time. And th these things aren't tested. They're not tested like medications. They're not tested. So you really have to be safe. So I really recommend natural, you know, as little products as you can expose yourself to over on a daily basis, you know, is the best. So, um, so braids, sister locks, um, just kind of a short or just natural, Short um, hair, like bro yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, oh, she asked me to describe my hair. I'm sorry. Right now I have braids, but normally yeah. I, I have, um, I actually cut my hair short initially because I wanted to get rid of the relaxer and I've had, you know, any length from there <laughs> from really short to a little bit longer, um, but natural. Yeah. I got rid of the relaxer and I try to use as few chemicals as possible. So, yeah. Yeah, that's good information. I, I hadn't I thought about the that. chemicals and things like relaxers. Yeah, that was yeah. the main thing for me. Yeah, was the chemicals. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because what we put in our mouth is one thing, but also what we put on top of our skin is also another gateway. So I'm glad you highlighted that as well. So I understand that you enjoy cooking. Can you share a little more about your favorite go-to meals? Um, okay. I, yeah, I do love to cook. I do have two teenagers. I have to say when we transitioned to plant-based initially, my kids were seven and nine. So that was a little, you know, dicey, but, um, so I'm always trying to convert things, you know, what they like to something, you know, more healthy plant-based. So, I mean, we do a lot of, we do do a lot of like pasta Italian, um, things. So I do make like a lasagna is one of the things that I make using like whole grain noodle. I use like gluten-free like brown rice noodles or um, whatever gluten-free that's least processed as possible. Um, I always try to use whole grain ingredients, you know, because you figure everything that you, anything where you can add extra nutrients, I try and do that. So um, I usually use whole grain noodles. I will add lentils, red lentils to my red sauce to give a little extra protein and a little more body. And that's really great. And then I'll make like a a ricotta using like either um, almonds, like an almond base, uh, almond based, or I use tofu. And then I usually add 
So wherever I can add greens, I add them. So I will add spinach or kale or whatever I can as a layer in there. And then, um, so that's one thing. You know, the other great thing is like pesto is another good thing too, if you like um, really good little things, because you can add any green to pesto and it's good. So I put like kale, I'll put, I'll put whatever green I have in there and mix it up um, in addition to a little basil. Um, what other things we do? I mean, I do do a lot of tofu. So I'll do, you can season that any way you want. So that's a great thing. So, you know, I'll make jerk tofu. I'll make, you know, I'll make an Asian tofu. I make all kinds of different um, tofus. We make a lot of, um, I'll make a lot of like curry kind of dishes. So I'll make like a lentil curry. There's so many options. You know, that was one of the things when I first transitioned, I was like, oh my goodness, what are they? And then I'm, now I realized that there's so, there's like so many things you can do. Um, I use jackfruit a lot. So I can use jackfruit to make like um, my son loves pulled pork. So I'll make a jackfruit pulled pork. I made crab cakes the other day with um, with jackfruit and palm parts of palm together season. So, and I try to use like, I try to minimize the amount of oil I use. And um, the other thing is like, you know, instead of using um, like, like cream, obviously I'm gonna use cream. So a great um, substitute for cream would be like cashews. You can mix cashews with, water of varying, depending on what consistency you're, you want and whether you want it sweet or whether you want it savory, you know, you just add. So cashews are a great option. I use that in a lot of things to add that extra creaminess. So yeah. I'm, I got, I mean, you mentioned something that you transitioned with your family when they were seven and nine. Um, we'll pivot a little bit. I know your background is a little bit in pediatrics, but even as a mom who did this yourself, what advice would you give families who are a trying to transition with older children i think when you have like a baby from birth of course and everybody's on board it's like the perfect magic that happens for the plant-based family but what about if you're starting kids later um what suggestions do you give in actually you know bringing that lifestyle into the home number one but then number two what if you have a house that is divided and you have like one spouse that's eating not healthy the other one's trying to be poor and then you have the kids in the middle that has exposure to the two different types of foods you know how how what are some tips you feel for families how they can handle those two situations so um so i mean I, we do have a struggle in my household even though we all um transitioned generally to plant-based um we my son so what i do is i at home we don't we do not cook meat or we don't use animal products in the beginning we did so we would, um, I would make a variety of different vegetable dishes. So that's how I look at it. I changed how I looked at it. Instead of looking at the traditional like meat, protein, you know, vegetable, meat, um, vegetable starch, whatever, however you look at a typical American meal, I would look at, I'm making a bunch of different sides. <laughs> so I'd be like, I'd make a variety of different sides and you can try, and I would make, my kids would try all the different things. And then depending on, so, it seems like a lot of work, but it's not really. When you think about when you're making a vegetable, you just make a few different vegetables, right? And um, and then have everybody try them. So that was one thing. And I didn't make it so rigid. Like I said, in the beginning, I did prepare, still prepare um, meat, you know, but then gradually over time, we stopped preparing. But um, I would let the children participate in making the meals, help choose, you know, I did, I did have a little garden, so I would let them help plant, and then they would try the things out of the garden, so that was another great way. Um, as far as the, 
So I have to say when I would go to work, because I, as an ICU doctor, I would spend 24 hours away from home. So sometimes the home healthy things would come into the household. So instead of trying to make a big deal out of it, I just try to reinforce the positive. So just instead of making it a fight, because the more that you make it um, a fight or a, a conflict, the more they're going to back away from it. So really just offering choices, you know, educating them along the way, which even though it seems like they're not listening, they are absorbing it all. And they educate their friends, you know, I'll listen and I'll hear them tell their friends certain things that they've heard me say. So I mean, I think it's just constantly educating and reinforcing, which is everything in parenthood. It's everything that you do with children is just reinforcing the message and being consistent. Um, and again, not making it a, a fight or an argument. So yeah, I love that. I love that because sometimes you could end up blowing up the whole house in hope in hopes of trying to do the good, but in essence, it's like a backlash. So I do like that idea of reinforcing the positive. That's good. Awesome. Okay, so um, actually just backtracking a little bit, you mentioned in the pillars the importance of sleep. Um, and it's actually something I personally struggle with. So I, I was just curious to know, what is your sleep routine like? So I have to say, so important sleep, the one of the important parts of setting your sleep schedule is first thing in the morning activity. So making sure you're getting outside in that daylight first thing to reset your melatonin. Um, a big thing is being off. We have so many of these blue screens around. So getting off of the blue screens before bedtime. So I try to put, charge my phone outside of my bedroom. I try most of the time I do. And that's, that's important. So not seeing that blue screen because that immediately shuts off your melatonin. So that already messes up your, um, your whole circadian rhythm. So putting down the blue screen, I try to have a nighttime routine. So I usually have like a tea before I go to bed. So just like your body knows that it's time to go to bed. So I have tea, I'll do some relaxing reading. <laughs> I try to read like a novel or something that's not, um, not going to get me you know, upset or whatever. So, um, and then just, you know, um, keep the bedroom cool. So I always have a fan that's on at night and just, it should be dark, you know, which is kind of hard sometimes with my teenagers because they like to keep all the lights on in the house or they stay up later than me. But um, that's a really important thing is to have complete darkness, you know, when you go to bed. So when you are, like when I'm reading, I have a small reading light that I use. I don't have like an overhead light. So that's another important thing because again, as much as you can decrease that light pollution, that will help with your, um, you know, bedtime routine, your sleep. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to be a little nosy. What are you <laughs> reading right now? <laughs> what am I reading right now? So I'm actually reading uh, Where the Crawdads Sing. So that's my uh, oh yeah okay okay uh, i'm also okay. reading a bunch of other books but i try not to read those before bedtime i love um i'm reading uh jay shetty's um think like a monk that's another great book oh okay okay yeah so not not too heavy not not a lot of like sciencey stuff or or not uh, some of that too i'm always bad. reading sometimes <laughs> i'm also reading this i should put this here this yeah. is uh, but end of heart disease so what about time because this is where I struggle the most so routine I could get all of that down pat but what is your timeline cut off or I know you, you work I don't know what your schedule is at the hospital or what have you but yeah, like what time what time do you go to bed and yeah. what time do you wake I, up kind of um, I try to go to bed. I usually go to bed around 10 um, and I wake up at five. My internal clock is set for 5 a.m. So I wake up at 5 a.m. every day. So, and that's an important thing too, is to have the same wake time every day. 
So even if you might not go to bed at the right, your scheduled time, it'll always wake up at the same time. So your body is on a set, set schedule. Yeah. Yeah. So you're not a fan of naps, right? Or, are you? <laughs> I mean, short naps are okay. It's like, you don't want it to be so long that it's going to interfere with your schedule, but sometimes that little cat nap is all you need. And that makes a, a difference. That's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, Cersei, do you have any other questions before I ask the last ask the last one that I think we had? No. And so, for you, when you work with your patients, are you working in a hospital setting now, or how how do you work with your patients to get, get to incorporate all these lifestyles? So, I actually resigned from a hospital job, so I'm not doing. I'm doing per diem yeah. for them now because I really wanted to do this full time. So I'm in the process of. Well, I have launched my telehealth practice, so I'm doing that full time. So really, only helping patients that have either recently diagnosed with um, a chronic disease or at risk for a chronic disease, or just want to make a change. So mm -hmm. that's um, those are the patients I'm working with now, and it's all telehealth, Florida and Vermont, where I have my license right now. Hopefully, I'll expand. All right, cool. So one of the things that we advocate is being healthy, you know, like when we're working with predominantly women in our group, being healthy for their divine purpose. What advice would you give a woman who is struggling to take charge of her health? Um, I think a lot of times we feel like it's all or nothing. Um, you know, making a change, it doesn't have to be all or nothing, you know, take those few steps, take one step at a time and just know, give yourself grace, you know, know that you may not, um, you know, you don't have to be perfect. It's not perfect. It's a lifestyle that you want to adopt for the long term. So whatever that first step is, take it and embrace it. And then if you, so yeah, just, I would say, just, just go for it and give yourself grace and give yourself, um, the ability to make mistakes, it's it's fine. And it's not really a mistake. It's all, I feel like it's all a learning process. So whatever it is, you're gonna learn from it and um, and take it as a lesson. Yeah. Awesome, Dr. Jen. Um, okay, so it was a pleasure talking with you. Um, so where can people find you if they wanna know more about what you do and the services you offer? Where can everyone find you? I'm on, it's, Healthy Living with Dr. Jen with two N's is my website, healthylivingwithdrjen.com. It's also my Instagram handle and my Facebook business page as well. So. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much for taking your time to come with us on this podcast. And we look forward to engaging with you again. Thank you so much for having me. This has been wonderful. Awesome. And you are doing amazing work. I'm so impressed. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Healthy For My Purpose podcast. We hope you enjoyed the community and are walking away empowered and encouraged to live your healthiest life for your God-ordained purpose. You can connect with us on Facebook and Instagram to enjoy fellowship with like-minded women. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review this on iTunes. Until we meet again, keep honoring your body for your purpose.